Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome to today's episode of the Modernize or Die podcast, CFL News, CFML News Edition. My name is Eric Peterson. I'm joined by Mr. Brad Ward. How you doing, Brad? Uh, we're just trying to abbreviate stuff, you know, take somebody who's out of the acronym, get the podcast over as soon as possible. <laughs> Who needs markup anyway? It's just the cold fusion <laughs> language. Or, yeah, or not, that... not like the, the ML really applies to most of what we today <laughs> it's all apis okay <laughs> well we'd like to welcome you all here and give a special shout out to our sponsor or the solutions the makers of cold box command box forge box and everything box yes that's right everything um <laughs> not, not fuse box not fuse box i guess yeah <laughs> i miss i miss those days skipped right over them so um, a few ways you can say thank you to Ord Solutions. You can like and subscribe these videos here on YouTube. You can come join us over at CFCast, where we produce the best Cold Fusion training content. I'm a little biased because I help produce that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can sign uh, buy Ordis's book, 102 Cold Box Quick Tips and Tricks, over on Gumroad. Or you can join our wonderful Patreon supporters. We currently have 38 Patreon supporters. And between all them, we are funding all of this podcast. And I know we have some uh, additional goals now to fund the open source Forgebox package uh, repository. So we are 40% of the way on that. And now, if you'd like, especially as a business, you can uh, get an annual membership, pay for the year, and save 10% and still get all the same perks. Okay, let's jump in. To some of our news and events for this week. Keep here. Um, there was a couple of community podcasts this week. I'm kind of used to us being the only name in town, so it was kind of fun to see this. The first one was Mike Brunt on a, a podcast called Music and Chat. Mm. So I don't... Uh, I This was the first time I'd heard of this show... Uh, Mike Brunt is a recognizable name in the Cold Fusion world, and he talks about it on this podcast. Uh, I have not been able to to see it yet, but they talked about... He's got quite an epic beard in the podcast. That's true. I saw some talk about him having like a ZZ Top quality beard. (laughs) So uh, it should be interesting. The description talks about how he got involved in software applications, becoming an expert with Cold Fusion, and uh, even about said they will probably probably broach AI in the interview. So it sounds very interesting. Mm. I know Mike spoke at different Cold Fusion conferences as well. So you can go check that out over on YouTube. Yes, it's one of those those uh, links. I feel like podcasts are usually either like 20 minutes or two hours. Um <laughs> <laughs> Nothing doesn't in Joe, between. Doesn't Joe Rogan get up for like three hours sometimes? I have no idea. I, I can't do those long, that Unless long. Unless it's super interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's hard for me to keep my attention span that long. But I know if we went uh, that long, everybody here would boycott. 
<laughs> be quiet. <laughs> Just tell us the news. All right. So we'll have that link, of course, in the show notes and here in the chat. That is Mike Brunt on Music and Chat. Uh, next, there's some Java updates out there for both 8 and 11. Um, Java, let's see, 11.0.12 and Java 8. I don't even know how you say their version numbers for Java 8, but 301. I mean, uh, yeah, it's like 1.8 build 301 or whatever. Um, so I was just emailing with a client this morning about that, and they told me that Adobe had told him that they hadn't verified Java 11 update 12 yet, and he had to install Java 11 update 11 because it was the only one that was officially supported so far. Yeah, um, so I'll link to a article that uh, Charlie wrote in the Cold Fusion portal about these releases, and he points out that the Adobe installers do not have this latest update. They still have Java 11.0.11, and Java 8, uh, 2.91. So they are not up to date. You can update yours uh, manually, and Charlie has a link in his post about how to do that. But yes, it is not in Adobe's official, uh, their Java installer offerings. Interesting. Um, yeah, it looks like update 12 is still not on the Adopt Open JDK API yet. Because when I run Java search command and command box, it still pulls back update 11 from April is the latest. Oh, interesting. That they usually drop it just a few days after Oracle does, because they're running an open source variant. So interesting right. to see then that comes out. Okay. In case you missed it, we had a webinar last Wednesday. Michael Bourne led us in building API integrations with Hyper. That is up on CFCast already for free for anybody to view. You don't even need to sign up for an account to view it. And we will stick that over in the show notes and in the chat. So it was a great session. CFCast had truly public content now. It does. Completely public. We hope you sign up, but uh, you'll have to. <laughs> After you watch the session, you'll probably want to, though. That's how that's how we get you. Yeah, first one's free. <laughs> um, I did not get a chance to watch it, but I kind of want to go back and watch it because it looked like it was going to be really fun. Yeah. So Hyper, for those who haven't um, seen it or listened to this podcast, is a uh, HTTP client library. helps you build up an HTTP request in a way that's a little more uh, portable and configurable than like CFHTTP. And one thing that it excels at is being able to create like sensible defaults and bundle them together, especially with Wirebox and that making like an API client for interacting with GitHub, with Portainer, with choose your API of choice. So Michael walks us through all that in his webinar. It was really great. I'm glad we have it recorded too up on CFCast. Okay. We had one more community podcast slash YouTube show. I don't know what to call these anymore when they're both. Um, we ha- It's called Cold Fusion Today and Tomorrow, A Conversation, which is a great title. Um, this was led by Mark Takata, who is Adobe's technical evangelist for Cold Fusion. 
and he talked with a few people, uh, some that we know, Nolan Irk, and I believe Sean Corfield even made an appearance, who is a yeah. an older name in the Cold Fusion community. But he talks about what's in the current release of Cold Fusion and what's coming next for the language. So I'm trying to figure out, is, was this like an Adobe-sponsored thing? Mark is obviously working for Adobe now. It's under the YouTube channel SAC Interactive. I don't know what that is. I don't know if anybody out there knows the if that's an Adobe YouTube account or just a community one. Yeah, I am. Oh, I'm here we sure. go. A Sacramento-based tech meetup for all things web and mobile related. Okay, I'm guessing that's probably a local user group that Mark is probably or someone's probably a part of, and so he did mm -hmm. as part of that. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So this also joins uh, the long podcast group. Uh, it's an hour and 43 minutes for you. <laughs> so <laughs> download it, listen to it in chunks, and enjoy it however you'd like. <laughs> and that takes us through the news for the week. Let's jump into our CFCast updates. This week, we had a couple of videos drop in the Up and Running with Quick workshop entitled Entities, The Quick Philosophy, and Step Zero Exercise. Yes, there was a Step Zero. So the way that you'll see the Quick Workshop coming out from now on is there will there was a section explaining the new concept, an exercise, and then a solution. So what's nice about these videos is they'll be broken up like that so you can go through the exercise, see what you're supposed to do, try it yourself, and then watch um, the solution that we came up with. So, um, Also, the building API integrations on, with Hyper with Michael Bourne is up there. And you should see more up and running with Quick coming out this week. All on CFCasts. I feel like we need a little uh, bumper, like last time on CFCasts. <laughs> Previously on CFCasts. <laughs> Alrighty. Let's go talk about some conferences. Doo -doo -doo. What conference are you excited for, Mr. Brad? In the box, because it's live in person and not a cat. That's what I want. <laughs> not a cat? Am I missing a joke here? <laughs> Yeah, you are. Don't you remember, like, in the middle of COVID, there was a lawyer that showed up for court on, on Zoom, and it had that cat filter his kid had put on, and he's, like, a cat oh. picture on the screen, and it's, like, an older guy who's clearly not tetalogically inclined, and, you know, the judge is, like, yeah, we, we need to be able to see your face. He's, like, well, I'm here in person live. I'm not a cat. And you're, like, we, we know that, but you need to turn <laughs> off the cat filter. My wife actually went and bought t-shirts for my kids because they found that so amazingly amusing when it happened. But anyway. Maybe we'll have to put a link to that one in the show notes now. Um, <laughs> but yes, we will be live in person in Houston, Texas. Uh, this week, if you head over to the Into the Box website, you can get a discount code to use if you would like to register or sorry, reserve a room at the Hyatt, which is where the conference will be. So I believe this I is, um, it just says a discounted group. Oh, a discounted group rate of 129. So you can use that code there. 
And uh, yeah, we're really excited. I, we've been working on getting the news out to all the people who submitted topics and organizing the schedule. And we will keep you up to date on that. You can buy uh, and register right now for early bird pricing. Head to intothebox.org to get all those details. It's going to be so good. Um, another conference that we were interested in, which is not live in person, so is a cat? Is that how that works? Uh, maybe. Okay, I'll stop. Um, <laughs> GitLab Commit. So we're big fans of GitLab at Ordis. We like how, um, well, it's open source. You can host it yourself. And I think they have a really nice continuous integration offering built right in. So mm -hmm. they have a conference, virtual conference, coming up August 3rd and 4th. That's just around the corner. And they're going to go through a whole bunch of stuff. They have their schedule there. I noticed one of them had, like, uh, stretching or yoga in there, which I would, yeah. <laughs> yoga stretch break number three. So at least three. Um, <laughs> but, yes, there's a ton of different um, sessions here. I think there's four different stages. Anyways. Uh, GitLab Commit Virtual 2021. I haven't even looked at the sessions yet, Thomas. I saw it. That's why you didn't know there was yoga. I know. <laughs> Scrolling through the speakers to see if I recognize anybody right off. Looks like most of these people, well, a lot of these people are from GitLab, but I'm seeing people from like T-Mobile, Fox Media. I scrolled past a bunch of ones I recognized earlier. Um, Splunk. Yeah, there's quite a few, uh, quite a few kind of big name speakers here. Really, speakers from big companies. So, yeah. So, if you haven't got to see any like GitLab features, I recommend anything to do with their um, continuous integration or DevOps stuff. It's really, really cutting edge for them, and you can get almost all of it in their self-hosted platform, which is pretty amazing yeah so. yeah we self-host GitLab at Ordis and we have clients who self-host GitLab I mean you kind of have to stay on top of the updates you know it's not like a software as a service where you just use it on the cloud and pay for it you know you have to keep things updated but they have a regular you know release cycle um you know I put in tickets and they have you know community where they fix bugs and stuff so if you're willing to put up with the kind of the overhead of hosting it it's basically free and it's got a you know a container uh registry in it and you know your entire CICD kind of set up, so it's definitely something worth learning about. Awesome. If you are uh, interested in other conferences, our friends at comps.tech have you covered. In fact, you can go search for Into the Box there. We got that added. The first CFML-listed conference, I believe, on their website. So that, nice. one's, that one's fun. Okay, let's jump into some blogs, tweets, and videos for the week. There we go. It, it, this is a light week on blog posts. We only have two. But let's jump through them. The first one from our good friend Mr. Ben Nadal is about printing emoji characters from Unicode code points using HTML entities. Lots of words in there. Um, so this was interesting to me, mostly because I've ran into, and I assume a lot of people have, 
ran into the issue where if you put an emoji in a file and try to save it, but that file did not want to be Unicode, it gets really mad at you. <laughs> um, and so Ben's post here kind of shows how you can use the code points, which is the like hexadecimal representation of the emoji of the character in Unicode. You can use that to print out an emoji on the screen using HTML entities. So he gives a couple ways and um, m mentions that problem of he kind of wants to just keep it ASCII in his file. He doesn't want to put other characters in. And I couldn't help but think of all the times That's that it. I've dealt with a database that does not speak, you know, the latest Unicode and how this could be useful for that as well, storing it as code points. I see that uh, Ben's comment section of the blog now has a bunch of little emojis I can push on to add to my comment. Coincidence? I think not. Ah, he mentions that right at the top of there that he wanted to show that. So, okay, I scrolled. I scrolled past all the the burbling at the top and went straight down to the code examples. <laughs> this actually reminds me of the emoji library that Luis made several years ago, but he took it a little bit different direction where instead of you know, transferring it to an HTML entity that represents, you know, whatever the highest, you know, value is that Unicode character. He swaps them out with the sort of like placeholders, like the colon, slightly smiling face in colon or, you know, whatever. Um, it's like, you know, those common things. And then replaces those back with the actual Unicode characters when he displays them. Um, but I think that still requires that at some point you have the Unicode characters in there. Where in this case, you're kind of just relying on the, the browser to to do that and you know it's normal ascii characters all the way to the end now of course this does i think assume that you're inside of a browser at least something that it speaks html entities but it's kind yeah. of cool what i've noticed is that i can tell i can tell when a website has like actual like image fallbacks for the unicode characters because i still have a windows 7 pc that i use for a lot of stuff and it's old enough that it will show the the Unicode characters as just little just black, you know, font characters, just as though it was a you know a, a letter in the alphabet. Um, whereas the <laughs> newer browsers and newer operating systems will actually like swap it out for the colored image. Um, in places like you know the Twitter website will be smart enough to detect them on some crappy old version of Windows. It'll just insert an image in its place. Well, like the Hootsuite dashboard, not smart enough. And all the emojis look like absolute crap when I'm on Hootsuite because they do not account for my older operating system. <laughs> <laughs> Got to update, Brad. I know. I, the problem is my motherboard won't, is too old to update to Windows 10, so I need to just replace the entire computer, but that's far more annoying to deal with. Or use Linux. I, I think that would just have like more problems. I mean, it would solve. It would be like regular expression. Now, I now I have two problems. Rude. You know, I use <laughs> Linux every day. I know. <laughs> awesome. Well, we have um, in the chat a couple of examples of other libraries that can do some things like this. Um, James Moberg posted about CF Emoji Java, uh, which is a Cold Fusion wrapper for Emoji Java, and can let you do uh, replace emojis, grab them by their um, it's check a text if it's only emoji, parse it to aliases. The aliases like CB emoji does. Um, and CB emoji is the other one that we threw in the chat, which will, as Brad said, kind of use the 
the Slack or GitHub version where you have colons around the the word or phrase, mm-hmm. and then it will uh, you can emojify that if that's a verb. So emojify. Back in my day, we used emoticons. That's right. I still do sometimes. It's all good. Okay. I love a good thing about emoji. Emoji's fun. Also, <laughs> emoji and MySQL five are not friends. In case anybody was curious. That's where I've always run into my problems. Okay. One more blog post from Mr. Mr. Wildebrun. It says, use this in quick. So I thought this was a fun one to have on, on my week here as the uh, creator of quick. Um, so it's an interesting issue. Quick does a lot of dynamic programming and loves on missing method. Mm. And a cold fusion, um, I don't want to call it a quirk, um, rule, way it works, is that if you want on missing method to fire from inside an object, you must call it on the this scope. Otherwise... Call it a quirk. Okay. I've, I've, I've never had anyone explain to me a reason why it's like that. It's well, there's always been the way it is. There's at least two blog posts on here if you want to go read somebody's explanation. Um, that when that helped explain it for Will. So yes, that is a, that is a truth, and I I've been bitten on that myself to use this in the file. Now, one thing I would say is I try to pride myself on having great error messages in Quick, especially compared to our uh, lovely built-in Cold Fusion ORM. And so I'd love a ticket, Will. I'd love a pull request because we can fix that. I mean, having, I mean it, having it just tell you that Git product wasn't there, I can have it tell you like, oh, well, maybe you meant to call it on on this, and here's some blog posts to tell you why we have to do that. I'm, I'd love that. So give me an issue or a pull request. Let's do this. Yeah, I mean, re- reading through this explanation that that Bill linked to on on Stack Overflow <coughs> is, in in my opinion, more of just explaining why it's broken. <laughs> not offering <laughs> not offering a reason for it. it that's like a, a personal pet peeve of mine you know when you're like why is this broken and then someone just explains how it's broken or the manner in which it got broken you're like i understand that but why did you build it that way why don't you <laughs> build it a different way <laughs> yep i hear you i think the other thing that could be updated for sure is making sure all of our docs yeah for quick list this where it's needed so, um, thanks for having that. That will be very useful for people who run into the same issue. And let's uh, let's get some nice fixes in place from there. Help people along. Thanks, Will. Okay. How about find a job? Do, 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 do. Okay. There were two new jobs listed this week on getcfmljobs.com. Both are remote U.S. positions. Um, they might even be the same one. I didn't actually check that. Nope, they look different. A Cold Fusion dev at Remote US. I didn't know there was a town called Remote US. And then a software engineer for Cold Fusion, also uh, at Remote, though I think they said where they were on site. Maybe I missed it. Anyways, they're both remote positions. There was one that I came across... Uh, just in preparing for this, they were looking for a React developer, but under 
like qualifications, they listed experience with Cold Fusion and Lucy, and I thought that was hmm. pretty neat. Just I usually don't see it uh, put out that way. <laughs> so we have that one as well, and Ordis still has up on about us slash careers two positions one for our u.s team and one for our el salvador team it's not that we haven't found anybody we've actually hired several people recently we just have a ton of incoming projects and we're bulking up on employees we're staffing up that's right so if in if any of you are looking for a job those are five great positions that you can go apply for we are excited to see your name pop up in our job applicant list. Okay. Forgebox module of the week is the content box CLI. So this is <clears throat> a command box command that you can install that will help you quickly start up command box uh, from our new version 5 against... Start up content box. Thank you. Startup Content Box <laughs> version 5. Um, it would be, sorry, it would be kind of weird to have to install a command box command to install command box. So, yes, Content Box version 5 with sure can be done. <laughs> four different CLA, CFML engines and four different major databases or any combination in between. Um, so this is, so this, we, yeah, we talked about this the other day. This is basically going to be a replacement for the existing kind of built-in content box namespace that's been inside a command box for a while. Um, that one was really only kind of barely fleshed out and Louise has kind of just started from scratch as a whole new kind of push, which he's doing as a separate module, but you install it just like you would before. And it's just, everything's content box dash CLI. And then the name of the command. Um, we'll probably work at maybe getting this bundled out of the box with command box at some point, but at this point it's uh, kind of bleeding edge as Luis works on it. So it just kind of makes sense to be a separate module that you can, you know, update independently of the CLI. Yeah, we got the demo of it um, the other day. Very easy to get started with this wizard. Um, and again, it will give you content box version five and you can view the latest and greatest stuff that we're working on right now. So that is the Content Box CLI, our Forgebox module of the week. As for our VS Code tip, trick, and tip, hint, tips, and tricks of the week, <laughs> we have an <laughs> extension called Get History. Um, now, I chose this one not because there aren't tools to do this in VS Code. There are uh, plenty. There's one built in. You can get one with Git Lens. But um, I really liked how this one looked. So let me go ahead and share a screen over here. Mostly I liked this visual view right here. So if you viewed the history of a file, it gave you a nice way to go back. I felt like the, all the other ones were very cluttered. And then you can right click on any of these, view that version. You can view a diff with your current. So you can see all the changes one at a time. I like the diff because I use Git Lens and I think that works really well just to kind of quickly see like when files were last touched. But I'll wind up typically going back to the GitHub website to actually get a diff between commits. And I wish I could do it a little bit easier directly from VS Code. Agreed. Yeah. And I 
I love the Git lens. Like it will tell me the last commit that was made, but sometimes I got to go back a few, especially if right, I'm dealing right. dealing with something in like CI and I have to see. Okay, I've have like twelve commits that just say testing. What did, what happened back here? <laughs> or or the last commit is like you know apply formatting to code base. And you're yeah. like well, no before that. <laughs> yeah. So that is Git history that you can install and get that nice view uh, it is a single file i believe so if you're looking for like a commit history that's a bit different view git lens can help you with that for sure this will give you the history of a single file so okay that brings us to our last section thanking our patreon supporters we are very grateful for all of our patreon supporters like we said, this podcast is now 100% funded because of you, and we're well on our way to supporting Forgebox and the package repository that it hosts. Supporting us on Patreon also gives you perks. Bronze packages and up get a free Forgebox Pro subscription and a CFCast subscription. Access to a private forum on our community website and a little badge on our community website to show how awesome you are. And as mentioned before, you can sign up now for pay for a year and get 10% off of that membership price with all those perks still available. So, Brad, do you want to close us out and thank our awesome Patreon supporters? I can do that. So, big thanks to John Wilson from Synaptrix, Don Bellamy, Eric Hoffman, David Bellinger, uh, Dean Maunder, Gary Knight, Giancarlo Gomez, Jonathan Perret. Uh, Mario Rodriguez, Jeffrey McGee from Sunstar Media, Yugesh Mathur, Joseph Lamory, Ben Liddell, Brett DeLion, Carl Von Stetten, Charlie Earhart, Dan Card, Daniel Garcia, Diego Wisnicki, Edgardo Cabezas, Tom Yannick, Jason Diger, Jeff McLean, Jeremy Adams, Jonas Erickson, Jordan Clark, Kai Koenig, Laxma Tertrahadi, Leon Suramalis, Matthew Darby, Matthew Clemente, Mingo Hagen, Patrick Flynn, Ross Phillips, Scott Steinbeck, Sean Oden, Stephanie Monge and Stephen Klotz. Thank you to all of our Patreon supporters that make the podcast possible. I hope you guys all have a great rest of your Tuesday and we'll see you in August. Thanks a bunch. Bye-bye. Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Bluetree Audio.